I think the biggest thing about him, he has the confidence of a number one pick of a guy that's going to succeed in the NBA. In, in the summertime, I, I hung around some killers. I trained around some killers, and I just kind of got that mental preparation that I needed. Completely understand where Kobe's coming from. Uh, there's no such thing as load management. And I think load management is like a new term that just came out a year or two yeah. ago. Chris Broussard here, and welcome to the brand new Hoops on Fox podcast. This podcast will give you your daily dose of all things NBA from Fox Sports, including the best content from Skip and Shannon, Nick Wright, plus special guests, fresh NBA content from myself, post-game interviews from NBA stars around the league, and much, much more. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a five-star review. Up first, Steven Jackson sits with Nick and CeCe to break down the rise of John Morant and Zion Williamson. You look at a player like this, the athlete that he is. Body-wise, athleticism-wise, he's ready. He has a lot of work to do on this game. Um, the kid is an athlete. Right now, he's just jumping over everybody. He's stronger than everybody, so he's going to dominate. But when he gets to the NBA, everybody on the court's that size. Everybody on the court's that strong. Everybody's an athlete on the, in the NBA, so it's going to be a different, but he's still going to be a dominant NBA player because of his, of his ability at that age. He's going to continue to grow and his confidence. I think the biggest thing about him, he has the confidence of a number one pick of a guy that's going to succeed in the NBA. And mm -hmm. that's what you need. A lot of guys come in the NBA that get drafted high, but they don't have the confidence. They really don't believe in themselves. With this kid, he has the confidence. I think he's going to do great in the NBA. Steven, you remember when Blake Griffin came into the league? Mm -hmm. Game was not refined. Right. Didn't have a jump shot at all. He was an athlete. Now, he's taller than Zion, about three, maybe almost four inches taller than Zion. And he was considered strong by NBA standards as a rookie, he's not as big as Zion. Blake's first year gave you 23 and 12. Mm -hmm. I think Zion's already a better defensive player than Blake was when he first came into the league. He might not be as instantly dominant offensively because the size does matter. He is. You said there's going to be everyone in the NBA is his strength. I disagree with you on that. Mm -hmm. I think he, the moment he walks into the NBA, he's going to be top five percentile of strength. But the height is going to be a big difference now. 6'7 is plenty tall for a college player. For an NBA player, he's going to be undersized for the position that he's playing, certainly until he learns to shoot. Mm -hmm. But his ability to play weak side defense and his ability to dominate you in transition, if he's on a team that pay, plays at a fast pace with, with even a halfway decent coach, I think he can be a guy that walks in the league and gives you 20 a game. I think and won't be a liability defensively and you know this one thing that gets overrated when people come into the league is the way rookies get exploited on the defensive end mm -hmm. almost every rookie that comes in is not even an average defender they're bad defenders right. he's going to have that going for him in the positive direction. and most of the time the reason why they're poor defensive is about heart it's about attitude but then they don't have the size so he's not going to have to worry about that He's a willing defender right now. Because I watched Job play last night. He's going to have to get better on the defensive end. Yeah. I mean, he was giving the dude eight feet. Like, he was like, hey, you out there? Like, because that's it's, – it's not really beat into them. I think Zion, that's one of the things where he can make an instant impact. The one thing I would be aware of, because to me, he's a tweener player. He's between a, per, a person like um, Gilchrist who came out of Kentucky, didn't have an offensive shot. Still Wait don't. one second. Yeah. And, and still doesn't. Still don't. And, and Blake Griffin. But the thing about Blake, when Blake was at this time in college, he was a better offensive player than Zion, by far. Like, he could do more things offensively than Zion. Now, Zion was a better athlete. Then Blake had a year off. He had that red shirt year. And that so, certainly helped him. So those numbers you're talking about, 23 and what? 23 12. and 12. He would. I don't think he would have done that if it would have been his true rookie. And we shouldn't expect that from Zion. 
Because I can guarantee he won't get 23 well, tw and 12. And, and the 12 rebounds to me is going to be the way harder number. I think he's going to be a 20-some points as a rookie, especially because he's on a team that's going to need it. But yeah. the 12 rebounds, that's what differentiated Blake's rookie year was. You don't see rookies that aren't true centers. DeAndre Ayton's doing something similar, but he's playing the five at all times. But that the thing with Zion is, look how much he's improved the last two months of yeah. playing basketball. So he will continue to get better. He's got to add some ball handling. Because if you look at the NBA on the mm -hmm. offensive end, man, it's about ball handling, being able to get to a spot, and being able to shoot. Those are the two skill sets that I have seen over the last 20 years. The athletes today, they're not better. But let me tell you something. They got more skill. They can handle it better, and they can show enough shoot to rock better than any other time in, in modern basketball. Yeah, he, he definitely has to work on the shot. But then again, I'm going to say some of the stuff that you said about LeBron. He got to drop some weight. He got to drop a little weight. He, he, that's not going to work for him. If, if, you, if you've seen even with Boogie, Boogie didn't, sl and didn't slim down. Guys like that, especially in the NBA with the game changing, when you got mm -hmm. five and four men out there shooting threes and, hand and taking it off the dribble, you have to be able to guard that. And I think he's going to have a problem with that when he first gets in the league, but he's he's definitely a problem. So tell me why. Do you think he has to drop weight because you think it can lead to injury? Or do you, you think he needs to drop weight because you think it will make him more explosive? It's, it feels to me like the reason he's such a one-of-one one athlete that I've ever seen is that size with that explosion. Remind, remember, this is college. He's going to be in the NBA next year. It's a whole different ball game. And, and guys are faster. Guys his size are faster. Guys his size are probably just more athletic than him. So it's going to be, it's going to be a, a, a culture shock to him because the when, talent he's playing against when is When you're that young, you don't know your true fight weight. I know when Larry Fitzgerald, man, he was huge. He was like, Uncle Chris, man, I think I'm going to be bigger than you. So it's like, man, you can't gauge it off of me. I remember working with Vince Carter when he was a young player and other athletes. That ideal fight weight? When you are young, man, you, you want it to yet. be as, as, as little as mm -hmm. possible. Man, Charles Barkley made a huge mistake early in his career trying to play like that with all the weight through his midsection and through his legs. He's got a different type of body. So Jack is on it as far as, man, he's probably eating all kinds of fast food and yeah. stuff. Now, when you start, when, if you're going to be a multi-million dollar player, all that's going to change. He could tighten that up, and it would make him more explosive. So let's talk about another player who's, who's probably going to get ready and have to change his game or maybe his body a little bit for the NBA, and that's John Moran. I don't mm -hmm. know if you, you got a chance to see what he yeah. did last night. Yes. Yesterday was just spectacular. How, how NBA ready do you think he is? You know, like you said, just as all his body. He has the same mold as Russ, same athleticism. They're the same height. Ooh. He, 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 okay, you said something there. Now. Oh, yeah. No, they, they do the exact same thing. When you have a point guard that has that motor, that's athletic, and that size, he can be a Russ Westbrook, and he's showing you that. Nobody, how many guys have had triple-doubles? Four guys have triple-doubles in the tournament. So, and, his, and he's one of them doing it last night, so it's special. Well, listen, the, we were talking about this in the early morning meeting about the Russ Westbrook comparison. I, I don't think Ja is quite the athlete Russ is because Russ, by even by NBA standards, for there was a three-year period where I think he was the best raw athlete in the league. Ja's an elite athlete, not that. But I think Ja's got better court vision than Russ. I think Ja's a better – Russ is a good passer. I think Ja will be an elite passer at the next level. Both of them – triple-double in the league, you're an elite passer. No, well, he is – he's a willing passer. He's a, what I'm seeing for John Moran averaging 10 assists per game in college when no one else is even averaging eight. Mm -hmm. That to me is that's on the level that's of special. it's absolutely special. It's also how Murray State runs their offense. It's kind of set up if he Through was him. A good. Now oh, he no, he's a, no he's a gifted passer, but it's set up the way that they run those sets and everything is for him to build generate. But Russ at this stage, Ja is a better scorer. Yes. Now his athleticism. 
I'm like Jack, man. He matches it as far as Russ because he can do some things that Russ couldn't do at this age. Both of them late bloomers, too. Russ not recruited highly in – and he hit that growth spurt later where he started to fill into his body. But that jump shot, man, Russ ain't – Russ can't outshoot him now. Nah. Agree. <laughs> Agree. No, th that's what the only thing – and I, we can disagree on the – we're talking about 98th percentile athleticism, 94th. It's it's in the margins. The the part that is so exciting about John Moran is that first step. You That first step combined with being an adequate shooter – he's not a great shooter yet, but he's an adequate shooter – and that court vision, now you're you're talking a very, very special player. And so I think he he didn't need to do much to make himself a lock top five pick. I think he asserted himself last night as he's going to be the first player taken after Zion. And whoever, when they get to the draft lottery and there's two teams left, it's not going to be this, you mentioned Michael Kidd Gilchrist earlier. That was a huge bummer. What? For, it was Anthony Davis. Someone's getting Anthony Davis. Someone's going to get Michael Kidd Gilchrist. That and it's like, happen. you got to be kidding me. Th that won't happen in this year's draft. Even As much as people want Zion, whoever, the consolation prize being John Morant is one hell of a consolation prize. You draft a guy like, guy like Gilchrist, you need to look at your people, your scouts, and see who's who's work, who's picking the players for your team. That's horrible. <laughs> but but this kid here, I think a lot of teams are looking at him, not only his game, but his basketball IQ. How many kids in college basketball have an IQ like this kid? And that's why he can make so many make so much stuff happen on the court. Point. Because yes. he's thinking ahead of the game. Mm -hmm. He's already his mind is already in the NBA. All right, we gotta take a break. Next. Nets all-star D'Angelo Russell joins Fox producer Conrad Company to talk about his progression and what's next for the rising star. All right, man. So we're here with uh, Brooklyn Nets guard D'Angelo Russell, who's here with Old Spice today. So what can I call you? Is it D-Loading? Is it D-Low? Is it 3-Angelo? Is it D-One? Like, what's your favorite nickname you've gotten so far? Man, I've heard it all. I've heard it all, honestly. But, um... I, I mean, I go by D'Lo. I enjoy my, I enjoy my, 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 my name that my mother gave me, D'Angelo. But I, I enjoy D'Lo's too, for short. So you can call, you can call, you can go with D'Lo. It's fine. All right, D'Lo. Well, you were an All-American at Ohio State, and you led the Buckeyes to the second round of the 2015 NCAA tournament. Any words of advice to your Buckeyes tomorrow before their first round matchup? Got to go get it. Uh, whatever we were doing before, people didn't expect us to make the tournament. Switch it up, man. We gotta, we gotta get it, man represent no, i hear you it, it is crazy out here in march but uh let's move on to your nba game so in your last game you dropped a career high 44 points to go along with that you dropped 27 of them in the fourth all while leading your team back from a franchise record 28 points deficit against the kings when did you know that you were taking over that game and bringing home that dub man honestly the, the nba is so crazy like every game if you watch if you, if you guys watch league pass you'll see man every the games that they don't show on TV are usually usually mostly the craziest ones. Oh, they absolutely are, yeah. Um, but but uh, it it was it kind of just happened, you know. Like coach gave me the opportunity to to go out and, and and make plays and put our put our guys in the best position to to do what they do. And um, some of the shots start falling for us in the second half that weren't falling for us in the first. Uh, we were getting the stops that we needed, and um, the basketball guys just kind of blessed us with that one, man. Like I said, we couldn't. You couldn't, you couldn't paint a better picture for an ending of, of, a, of a crazy game like that. No, you're right. The basketball guys, man, when they're on your side, they're on your side. That's for sure. For sure, for sure. Uh, so your go-to celebration is the three fingers on the veins. I know a lot of people out there, they see that. They don't know what it is quite yet. I'm sure they'll see it in the playoffs. I must sure. say it's one of the coldest celebrations in the league. For a casual NBA fan, what does that mean? Ice. Ice in your veins. Uh, you, I think that's... Um, term of speech as far as playing with no no care you know you're playing with 
just straight fearless anxiety almost, you know. Um, like I said, my dad's told me that uh, growing up, you know, right before I would leave the car and walk into my, my middle school, high school game, whatever it may be, my church league games, like play, play with ice, play like you, you know, play fearless. And um, I just kind of took it and ran with it. And it's it's come back around uh, more than I expected in, in, in my professional job. I'm in my professional career. Yeah, no doubt. Like I said, it's one of the coldest celebrations in the league. Appreciate so that. congratulations on that. How excited are you to have an opportunity to take this team to the playoffs for the first time in three years? Very excited. Very excited. I, I think it's great for the organization. Um, I think it's great for each individual on our team. Great, it's great for the coaching staff, the city, um, the city of New York in general. I think it's great for that. And Brooklyn, I, I think Brooklyn deserves it. You know, when you're when you're in a, a sports um, a sports city like New York, and you got the little brother of um, of the city, you know, kind of making a lot of noise. That I, I think that's is well deserved. You know, and um, people are starting to notice us. And um, we just want to, you know, keep representing Brooklyn the, the best way we can and representing our organization the best way we can. And I think the playoffs will be, you know, be that much more exciting. Oh, they absolutely will be. Now, you went to high school with Joel Embiid for a year and Ben Simmons uh, down in Monteverde, right? Yeah, Monteverde, yeah. All right. Now, did you see them becoming the all-star level players that they are now? And what does it mean to you to potentially go up against these guys in the playoffs? For sure. I mean, to be honest, like, I knew if Ben, I always say if Ben Simmons could have left out of high school, he would be he would be doing the same thing he, he he's destined to be doing. Um, Joel's always been a freak of nature, you know, for him to put that much weight on and that strength on and, and dominate the game the way he is. That's man, it's crazy. Um, I'm more surprised about my story, you know, honestly, just being able to play with those guys and then for us to all be, you know, at the All Star level together you know, laughing about when we were in high school, just, you know, kind of joking about these things. Um, it's, it's, it's a dream come true, you know. So um, with our success, I've, I've, I've definitely uh, took the time to acknowledge it. And, and, and I've been in a, the wild standpoint for a long time. It's just this is crazy, you know, just this surreal moment for us. Yeah, certainly. Now, talking about the All-Star game, you were an All-Star this year for the first time, and potentially you're going to be winner of the NBA's Most Improved Player. What really clicked this season to unleash that potential that you've always had? Honestly, I think I, you know, in, in the summertime, I, I I hung around some killers. I trained around some killers, and I just kind of got that, you know, mental um, mental preparation that I needed, you know, to to prepare myself going into the next season. And I trusted my craft. I knew how much work I put in, into my craft and how much I was going to, um, I, I, how much I, I prioritized myself into coming out this year, trying to prove, you know, prove my point and, and, and prove that, you know, I, I'm meant to be in this league. And uh, my head was down the whole time. Like I said, I kind of just looked up and all this, all this was kind of right here at my desk. Who were some of those killers you were working out with this summer, if I may ask? I mean, I'm, you guys know I'm friends with Carl Towns and Devin Booker. Um, those those are some of the younger guys in the league that have, you know, paved the way and, and, and been dominating the league for a long time. Um, but I've also talked, you know, to Chris Paul, James Harden, um, LeBron, Rondo, guys of that caliber, you know, just giving me the, you know, the the the, the veteran type leadership that I kind of needed to, um, like I said, just to prepare for these situations. Yeah. So with you guys potentially making the playoffs, who do you think is the most underrated player on the Nets currently right now? The most underrated player? Shoot, we got the most underrated team. Uh, <laughs> to get the players, no, but 
I, I can't I can't really single anybody out like that. We we got a guy, we got a group of guys that are that are special, man. Um everybody's bought into what Coach Kenny Atkinson and, and Sean Marks and the organization has has offered. And um there's been nothing but complete success for each individual. You know, um a lot of it goes unnoticed. Um I mean a lot of a lot of you guys talk about me and my success and a few other guys, but it's so many guys on our team that 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 doesn't that don't get the recognition that they deserve. I, for example, our rookie, um, Marion's Cruz. Um, I would I would definitely mention him as as one of the most surprises for me that a lot of people haven't really got to, you know, put an eye on or 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 watch and pay attention to. Team guy, man, I love to hear it. So you're actually one of the unique players where you've got to play in the top two markets in America. What's been the biggest difference between playing in L.A. and playing in New York? The weather. The weather. um honestly that's so similar that's so similar of cities um big cities big market you know big media outlets you know but when it comes down to it it's just basketball and uh, the only thing i can really dial it down to is the weather you know the weather the traffic in new york you know traffic's you know bumper to bumper in new york it's you know sideline to sideline it's just bigger space (laughs) but it's the same thing Uh, i can't really put a telling what's different or whatnot besides the weather to be honest no i hear you i know you talked earlier about being the little brother team in uh, new york there's been a lot of talk about the other team in new york landing big name free agents why should those same agents or those free agents come to look and play for the nets instead of the knicks so you guys can become the big brother of the city i honestly can truly say that we're not trying to become the big brother uh we enjoy being I, we enjoy being in this you know this limelight you know, we're getting the success that we got. I feel like we've done it. We did it a different way. You know, we got a good group of guys that, you know, kind of been through the been through the blender a little bit and, and had to work to get to this point. So we know we, we kind of realized how to do it together. Um, no offense to any free agent or whatnot that, that may possibly come. But when you when you're dealing with free agents, you, you, you never know what to expect. Um, they always, you know, they always have the choice to, to control their destiny and where they want to go and when they want to go. We got a bunch of guys that, that we could lock in and, and be around for, for a good good period of time and, and do this together for a good group of, yeah. good, good period of time as well. Yeah, absolutely. Now, you're partnered with Old Spice. You want to take a minute to tell these people about some of the amazing products they have to offer? Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, you can see behind me, the, um, it's, it's the fresher the fresher group right there. You see you see the moisturizer. You see the, the deodorants, the the, um, the body washes, all that. But um more more intriguing is the um the the ingredients the real ingredients in there the the gives gives men the platform to to take care of their skin as well um now I, I i have a lot of friends that don't really take time to you know get their get their 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 scents and their fragrances right you know to smell good for the people but um yeah no no old spice has been great you know i use the i use the product um you know, we travel, we, they, they have the, the carry on side. They do all that to um, help prepare, prepare your skin for all natural ingredients. Well, man, if Old Spice is helping you drop 44 points again <laughs> in 27 in the fourth quarter, I think I'm all about it. D'Angelo, oh, yeah. I really appreciate your time today, man. And good luck the rest of the season. I can't wait to watch you on the playoffs. Appreciate you guys, man. Thank you. Now, Matt Barnes sits with Skip and Shannon to dissect Kobe's comments on players sitting games out. We are joined by FS1 NBA analyst Matt Barnes. 
It's great to have you this morning on this one, especially because you've been one. a teammate yeah. of Kobe's, yeah. and you've now seen all these superstars taking this time resting. Yeah. Whose side are you on, Matt? I see both sides. I, I see both sides completely fair, I think. Uh, I mean, I completely understand where Kobe's coming from. Uh, there's no such thing as load management, and I think load management is like a new term that just came out a year or two yeah. ago. You know, so sports was, you know, I know the only time I sat was when I was suspended, you know. <laughs> only time, like you said, the only time he did, couldn't, didn't play was when he couldn't walk. So I understand and respect where he's coming from when I wanted to be out there every single game. But I think along with the game changing, all aspects of the game change, you know, and this load management is something that's very new and it's just, it is what it is. Um, I definitely respect guys wanting to be more healthy or 100% healthy before they finally go out or close to 100% healthy, such as Kawhi and... You know, I'm hearing that uh, Kyrie Irving is going to take a little, you know, get some load management down the stretch. Um, so, like I said, whether we agree with it or not, it's just the, the new NBA, and we kind of have to understand with it, to understand it, and go with it. Times changes. <laughs> right. And you know what? Had Kobe taken some of those back-to-backs uh, or some of those three games and four nights, maybe down the stretch, we yeah. wouldn't have seen what we saw from Kobe. And so I get it. I get it. You know, new uh, uh, fans in the crowd, maybe for the first time. But Skip, I went to the doctor the other day, and he wasn't there. But they called me. They said, now, he's not going to be in on the day you're supposed to come. Now, you can still come and see the other guy, or you can wait for him to return. Mm. That's just the way it is, Skip mm. Bayless. I'm sorry. What, what was he doing? Playing golf? I don't know what he was doing, but I wanted. Did you wait? No, I waited him out. <laughs> I waited him out. Did you? If you want to see LeBron James, I get you know, and I get it, Skip. I, I really, I do. I understand, and and you know, but you know now, and I, Michael Jordan played, and Magic played, unless he was hurt, and Bird played. But this is not the era. This is not the time of that, Skip. You know, in football, there was a different time where we tried to knock each other completely out of the game. Those days are over. So you're, the players involved and the fans thinking and the, the evaluation of how these players and what they're doing mm-hmm. needs to change. So you want to have the same ideology and the same philosophy in the 2019 as you had in 1980 or mm-hmm. 1990. It's totally, totally different now. These guys, no matter how great they are, they're going to take about five to ten games a year off moving forward. Mm-hmm. So you just ex- you just got five to ten, five to ten, twenty to thirty. Well, you, it's the well, new way. Yeah. Well, you well, well, how about this? Might be fifteen. I, I will split the okay. difference with you. All Instead right. of thirty, I go fifteen. But these guys are going to take times off. I remember well, uh, two years ago, I was going to the, see LeBron play. I thought I was going to see LeBron yeah. play. Well, Guess what? I get to, I get all the way there. Okay. See, yeah. You got victimized yeah. by your guy. I see yeah. him walking. He walking down the sideline in the street clothes. <laughs> I see, unless he got his uniform up under there, LeBron ain't playing tonight. Well, you remember just about a handful of years ago, it used to be, a, you know, you hang your hat on playing a full 82 game. Right. Like people would be have like, oh, you played a full 82 game, and it was the norm. Right. You know, it's like you said, it's, it, it's something that you'll rarely see from here on out. Popovich started it. You know what? He did. I give you that. <laughs> they were mad. He though. sent Tim Duncan. Think about it, Skip. You remember, he got fined a quarter of a mil. For sending Tim Duncan, Manu, and Tony Parker. Oh. Not he didn't like y'all stay on the side and y'all not playing. Y'all go back. On Southwest Airlines. Yes. Send them back. Southwest? I, I, was, I was like, whoa, 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 Pop. Now, I get you now. You the coach. I ain't flying no Southwest. Well, he, they flew Southwest. <laughs> How Tim Duncan fly Southwest? How did he fold up that body yeah. in the Southwest? Seat? The exit row. The exit row. Yeah. Well, you, you better. must know. Yeah. It's hard. Yeah, yeah that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. No, nah, t- t- oh, yeah, nah, we need to go private. Yeah. Look. This just might come off as grumpy old man talk, but what Kobe said 
about what a privilege it is to play in that league and go. how it goes by like that, you can attest. Very true. It's over all of a sudden. It is. You, you probably look back and yeah, say, like, God, where did it go? <laughs> 15 right? years like that. 15 years you mm -hmm. played basketball it does. Mm -hmm. in, in the greatest league in the world, and it's over, right. and you have it all to hark back on, to, mm -hmm. to feel good about, but but it ended because yeah. it's going to end. It goes quick. It, it's going to go quick for, all, for Kyrie Irving. He's going to wake up one day and say, where did it go? Looking like Uncle Drew. He's going to look like Uncle Drew. That's real, good. Yeah. The real Uncle Drew. But you know what? Unfortunately, that's what's going to happen. Yeah, that's that's just life. It goes that's fast. Okay? I remember Dennis Smith, Skip, we came in one day. I was running. We were working out. He said, man, you better enjoy this. He you're said, you're going to work. The football, the, football, the football the junior. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Skip, he was like, he said, you're going to wake up one morning, and you're going to be in year 10, and the next day, you're going to be home. Okay. And that's what happened. I played 14 years, and it was over. Mm -hmm. Okay. So... Obviously, I'm a big Michael Jordan fan, but do, do you realize he played 82 games, all 82, nine times, and he played 80-plus. That means you just missed a game or two 11 times. He just played basketball. That's just what you do. He was born to play this game, and he's like, I'm just going to play. Was he blessed? Was he lucky that he didn't have after the one big injury he had? He broke his foot in second year. Foot. Yeah, and he missed about the whole year. He only right? played 50. What did he play, like 15 no, games? Not much. Because I know he played 15 but when he came back. That, Remember, he took them two years off. Now, we ain't going to talk okay, about that, okay. man. You know what I'm saying? That's so how many games is that in two years? He didn't take them off. He was forced to. I don't want to. Okay. How many games is that? So let's see. Uh, 82 and plus he didn't play 67. Okay, but when 67? he was eligible to play, he played right. all the way home. And he played all the way home at age 39 in Washington. He played all 82 that last year. He was hoping somebody to come see him play. Okay. Did you see the way he was looking? Kobe dropped 55 on him. Well, he's, he averaged 20 and 6, so that's... 20, really? Okay. LeBron probably averaged 28 and 6. He might, mm -hmm. but he ain't no MJ. Don't do that, Skip. Oh, Don't on. do that. Come on. You see? Seriously? You, we got to... See, the thing you is, because MJ you played 82 games... Everybody else, Matt, needs to play yeah. 82 games. It's always going to be the comparison with those three. If Kobe did it, LeBron should do it. If, 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 if Mike did it, Kobe should do it. Kobe did it Vice four versa. times. Right. He played 80 plus, 60. But, you know, the so pace bad. of the game has changed. You know, the, we're up and down like I, this I a lot it. more. But That's I just fair. think, too, even in practice, I mean, it, we were talking about this in my group chat yesterday with UCLA. It's just, you know, trainers almost dictate work management. I mean, they have us hooked up to everything in practice. Yes. So they, can they can tell our load in practice right. and mm -hmm. try to prevent upcoming injuries, even though, you know, sprained ankles, something like that is uh, um, predictable but you can they, they they hook us up to these monitors and how our body's wired that they can tell like okay you, you know you're approaching a, a fatigue point where you know yep. you need to price it out of practice that out of game so like so it's it's there's so much money around all these players now and around the game so much that you know they're they're really using the analytics and everything they possibly can to try to pre preserve life which is good you know what I mean? For yeah. so often, guys are, you know, running ragged. You know, unfortunately, Kobe was ran ragged. You know, and tore his Achilles towards the end he of his was. career. Unfortunately, Labrum. you know, Everything. so it's, name it. It's, name it's, it's just it, it's different. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I said, we we before me, my time, we didn't we didn't miss games. For like I said, load management is a new word. And what they tell you when you getting tired? Come on, son, you got to push through that. I, everybody getting tired. Right. Push through the fatigue. Mm -hmm. And now they say the moment you get start getting to that little red line, okay, so shut it down, son. So was that all prehistoric thinking, antiquated thinking, Cro-Magnon thinking? Yeah, I guess mm -hmm. so. Is this enlightened thinking? Yeah, absolutely. Well, this brings me to that guy number two up in Toronto. No, quiet. He, he, he is shattering the mold now. Because <laughs> he is just saying, I'm going to play when I yeah. feel like playing. And he Maybe is months. getting away with it because he's that good, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, he's that good. He want to make sure he's healthy. Yeah. 
Okay. He got that big payday. He's not going to pull an Isaiah because, you know, they told Isaiah it was just a little, little, little hip bruise. And now Isaiah ain't going to ever see 100 don't, million. Don't compare Isaiah to number two. Yeah. Well, see, they told Isaiah one thing, and Isaiah had something different. Right. They, said, y'all might be telling me something. I got something different. But I don't, don't worry about this here. I went and got my own doctor. Yeah. Number two had a thigh bruise, and he, he's still plagued by it. I don't know. Yeah. You had a thigh bruise like every Sunday. But that's different. Thigh that, was, that okay? was different. But now he's got a thigh bruise. But he, you know, if he doesn't feel like it, he, ta- he always pro- takes the back-to-back I off. I promise but- you, if I had that guaranteed money like they got, okay. I'd have took me a game, well, too. And, but I ain't got it. Again, he is he is getting away with it. Nobody's saying no to him, in part because they wanted him to stay in Toronto, mm-hmm. right? So whatever you want, you has the control. Okay, you got the boy. You got all the but leverage. You, but you know yeah. what? I noticed. Don't nobody say anything about baseball players, and they take oh, all these man. games off, and they get that Mike Trout money. Mm-hmm. Mike Trout don't play 162 games. No, they games. don't. Mike mm-hmm. has it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but oh, don't worry. Mookie Betts coming. Okay. Mm-hmm. But you see, Machado got. I mean, they get. Oh, you. I know. But these guys don't play 162. No, it used close. to be a thing to play 162. Right. Okay. Well, Cal Ripken just played for years. Yeah, exactly. Right? Just... But ain't nobody being Cal. No. Okay. That, 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 nobody's ever breaking that record. Okay. Well, now pitchers pitch every maybe fifth day, but right. maybe not. They yeah, used to right? pitch every three, four days. I know. It's just a new time. Like it's... I said, I think the game overall has evolved, but everything having to do with the game has evolved as well. And like I said, it's it's about preservation now, which, you know, as an athlete, uh, someone who's a current athlete making as much money, you have to kind of understand where they're going, right. even though we may not like so it. So the game evolved. That means the thinking needs to evolve along with it, curmudgeon, mm. which is you. Someday, number two will wake up 20 years from now and say, I should have played. And you know what he's going to wake up play. on? A big old pile, about $200 million <laughs> in cash. He's going to wake up on that like, woo! Sleeping on it? Yeah. yeah. On Just it? like, whoo, okay. doing snow angels. Okay. <laughs> snow <laughs> angels? Yeah. Up in Toronto, I don't know if it's still But he's going to be healthy, see? Will he Kobe, be happy? Kobe could have, just think about it. Kobe could have got another, look at Dirk. Mm. Look at Dirk. Dirk tried to play by 25 years. Yeah. Out there hopping on one leg. Kobe wouldn't, Kobe wouldn't have went out like that, though. <laughs> no, Kobe wouldn't have sat on the bench in a uniform and been happy with it at all. No. Not even close. No. But he he could have, he could have uh, the last three years, Kobe was a shell, man. He, he the still, body. But he still went out with 60. <laughs> Say what you want. 60. He went out with 60. Man, the man he shot 50. T- let me ask you a question. If you shot 50 times in the game, yeah. how many points could you get? I don't think my arms would be able to lift. But <laughs> still went out with 60. If James Harden shot the ball 50 times, how many points do you think he, he get? He does shoot the ball 50 times. No, he shoot 38. <laughs> oh, okay, see. <laughs> <laughs> Right. But All it right. was a special moment. I watched it. I wanted to get it. Kobe right. was my guy. Right. That was a special moment. Or was your guy? Yeah, Kobe was my guy. Well, until he's, he's until about 23. Oh, no, 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 How many guys three. do you have over there? I have with see. I really, in all, in all honesty, in all in the last 20 years, I really just had two guys. Kobe and Braun. I thought you said Larry Bird was your guy. But that was Larry Bird been, been retired. Yeah. Okay. Larry was my favorite. Okay. okay. All right. Especially because he used to do, you know what he used to do. But you know who up, man. Man, that was before your time. But he used to put that thing on in him. Wop, wop, wop. He did wop. Thank you for clarifying, Sweet. Shannon. Thank you. Okay. Matt, <laughs> thank you for being here. here. Good to have you with us. Following Terry Rozier sits with Christine Leahy to discuss the Celtics season and what's next for his career. Welcome back to Fair Game. I'm Christine Leahy here with Terry Rozier of the Boston Celtics. So, Terry, at the beginning of the season, you said that the Celtics could be a truly special team this year. Since then, there have been a whole lot of narratives about the Celtics, a lot of twists and turns. What's surprised you most about this team? Obviously, when you plan on a team, you're you're dealing with different type of personalities, but now you're dealing with so many different guys that feel like they... They the man, so it's like 
how do you handle that? And, you know, I'm talking for myself too. So it's like you got a lot of guys that feel like they're they're on that level of rising or already there. So it's just like it's hard to put all that and make that into one. So I feel like that surprised me most this season. It's tough because you know it's a long season and we haven't been doing as good as everybody expected. But that's what that's that's what I say surprised me most. Just egos. different personality, egos. Yeah. Yeah. How do you fix that? When? Really? You win. So, it's like it's like the cure all go away. We was just just a week ago. We was like the talk on negativity. Everybody talking about us. We win two games. Not everybody loves us. So that's just how it go. But do you guys talk to each other about the egos? Yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of it's kind of evident. Everybody can see it. Uh, and you got guys sometimes go at each other. That's just what it is. It's part of the game. But uh, you know, every everyone respect. Uh, one another, so you know we just try to find ways to get it done. Um, one thing that is so cool about you is that you're not afraid to stand up to anybody. You'll go right at someone. The yeah. other night you guys went against Golden State. You went up against Boogie. No. What'd you say to him? Just tell him you're not the one. I'm not the one. Uh, <laughs> you're you not know, the just one. just don't make a scene. Just keep it basketball. Just keep it basketball. Nobody's gonna fight out here. Obviously, yeah. you know, dealing with guys in this league, there is a summertime where people see one another. So, you know, just keep it on the court. That's all it is. And I just, you know, I feel like uh, his emotions got caught up, caught up in it, and that's just part of the game. That's just what it is. What is it about you that you're just not afraid to talk to anybody like that? Uh, I mean, what I'm, what I'm, what I'm going to be scared of? I'm not scared of nobody. I don't know. Like, there's some scary dudes in the NBA. I wouldn't want to say anything. Nah, I mean, I Boogie no, is one of them. I ain't got no reason to be scared of nobody. There's been a lot of fixation this year about, I mean, you mentioned it. There's a lot of guys who think they're the guy, right, on the team. Uh, who's the leader? A lot of people have been talking about Kyrie Irving being the leader, or he wants to be the leader. What have you learned from him? Uh, you know, just, uh, I learned so much just about his attitude, how much his attitude can affect how we play. Mm -hmm. uh, when he's a happy camper, when everything's going good for him, we're rolling like we every everything else is good. Well, uh, you know, sometimes when he when he want to apply that pressure, when he wants to get mad or whatever for his reasons being, and then it's just like everybody's so uptight. So it's just like we're gonna go as far as he take us. So I feel as he he is our leader. How are you as a leader? I feel like I'm pretty good. I feel like I can make people people laugh. I feel like everybody respect me on the team. So if I was to say something, when I do say something, it it, it gets through to him. Are you aware of this? The Celtics are 20 and three when you play 25 minutes a game, and they're 18 and 23 when you don't. What does that tell you? Brad, play me some more minutes. <laughs> <laughs> no, hey, I'm Brad. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I think that you make a good case. Just trying for that. to be effective, you know. Yeah, okay, you don't have to be possible. humble. You don't have to be humble. I'm pretty humble. I'm pretty humble yeah, until but, I really have to talk my stuff. But th but that's a stat. That's that yeah. tells you, you know, maybe you should be on the court a little more. Exactly. Do you feel like once you get to the playoffs, regardless of seeding, that the Celtics are the favorite in the East? Uh, I believe so. I, I truly do because you know I feel like we're gonna be tough as hell to beat at home. I don't feel like nobody that's gonna be able to beat us at home with our fans. And you know what our energy that we're gonna play with, but uh, you know obviously you don't want to get caught up just being seated anywhere. Mm -hmm. But I feel like we're gonna take care of business once we once that once that time get here. I know that's where your focus is at. <laughs> I know you, you're you're focusing on the playoffs, but in the summer you are a restricted free agent. Yes, I am. So you're, I'm not gonna ask you where you want to go or what you want to do. I'm just gonna ask you 
what exactly is it that you're looking for? Because for some guys, it's the money. Some guys, it is the possibility to win a championship. Some guys want to live in the city they want to live in. What do you want? Everything. Everything. I want it all. Finally, Steven Jackson joins Nick and CeCe again to break down the possibility of Doc Rivers coaching LeBron. Steven, you buying this report? I'm just so tired and tired and tired of all the lies. Like, the man has been dominant his whole career. He has one losing season. Now he don't want to be coached. Now he's a bad teammate. Now he's not invested in the team. Now he doesn't – He, man, stop it, okay? This is a losing season. People just exaggerate. No, I wouldn't say he want to be coached. He's been coached his whole career. Now, people say that because they don't have the basketball IQ he has, then that's, that's on you. But don't blame him for being smart enough to be able to coach a team and play at the same time. And don't uh, fault him for being smarter than the coach. Okay, we can't fault him. They're losing this, They're losing right now, contributed to a losing season, but don't put all that on LeBron. I hate it. It's getting and on my nerves. There is no sport either, like basketball, Stephen, where a player, and that's why we've seen so many players be executives and immediately be coaches, because the intel, it's impossible in football. Mm -hmm. It's impossible for me to know what Bill Belichick knows. He studied everything. Special teams, he knows time management. He knows those things. But as a basketball player, the coach is teaching you everything because you're playing all aspects, offense, defense, and all the little small things. So if you approach LeBron James talking about basketball, and I learned this from Shaq. Shaq told me this. Chris, he's a one. I said, what? <laughs> I said, what, what's that? He said, man, he's a genius. He's got a photographic memory. He memorizes plays teams are running. He'll call out their sets. Like, it's amazing. Shaq told me this, and I was at a, a, at a Cavs practice the first time he was with the Cavs, so I've always looked at LeBron differently, knowing my brother was an NBA player and coach. There are players in the league you have to come correct with the information because they know the game as good or better than the coaches. Not the other sports. You're not going to see that. So I could understand how LeBron could be misunderstood. And when you're a great player, anything happens to the coach, the great player is going to get some of that shade. And then a lot of people understand this is breaking news for all you people that don't understand. A lot of these a lot of coaches, especially in the NBA, the, the, the assistant coaches and guys on the back, these are ex-baseball players, ex-computer guys. They don't really know too much about basketball. They're just giving those jobs. So you can't expect these guys that have been playing basketball their whole life to sit there and try to listen to a guy that's never played the game. Well, and, It's and, a big difference. And in LeBron's case, his head coach obviously did play the game in Luke Walton. But he's but not respected. An, but it's an odd dynamic. They're the same draft class. He's They're not respected, right. though. And, and I do not listen. I think LeBron will take to coaching. I think you got to prove yourself. Yeah, and you and listen, there's a, there's an argument to be made that shouldn't be the case. That the team would be better off if the best player would instantly submit themselves to the coach. But LeBron mm. has to me. I wouldn't be arguing that case. Okay, Not good. The NBA, man. Okay, you look yeah. at man. I mean, if you look at our best players, man. I mean, let me tell you something. The analytics, your boy, Daryl Morey, let me tell you something. When he met James Harden, man, he started looking at them analytics and started looking at the talent like, okay, and he blended them You would them never think. together. And he got, and he's had now his best success when he got with his best coach. When Kevin McHale was a shoot out the door, you bring in Mike D'Antoni, you marry D'Antoni's system with Daryl's analytics, together. with Harden's mm -hmm. skill set, and that's how you have that team. The, I do not begrudge LeBron James for saying when he got to L.A., Luke Walton going to have to prove himself to me. And when, after a few months, saying, you ain't proven nothing. Now, do I think that if Doc Rivers was the head coach there, LeBron would respect Doc? 
Absolutely. Do I think Doc could teach LeBron something? Absolutely. He, when he got to Miami, he wasn't into Spolstra. And he, according to Chris Manchester, he didn't push out the door. Mm-hmm. Spolstra stayed. Spolstra proved himself to LeBron. They have a great relationship now. The last few years there were excellent. He bonded with Fizdale as well. Fizdale was one of the assistants oh, yeah. there. Yeah. Fizdale's a guy he's wanted to have as his coach. He, so he didn't respect Blatt. Blatt was a doofus at the NBA. He might be a great international coach. He was a doofus in this league. And Luke Walton, what, what is the thing Luke Walton does great? What's the thing Luke Walton's going to say, LeBron, you never thought about this. Let me teach you something about the game. So the, no. this, this idea, LeBron is now being criticized for a coach who was never offered a job, who was not available to take a job, not taking a job. But that's, what the, that's the coach that was there when he got there. So for him to walk in and say what he said, he basically wrote the, the guy's rocking papers before the season even oh, started. Oh, I disagree with that. I just think he didn't sign off on it. Well, a lot of people feel like Luke didn't even earn that job. Maybe not, but LeBron's, it's not up to a player to, I don't know, for him to voice that earlier on in the season. But he didn't voice it. He didn't, he didn't voice it. LeBron has not publicly criticized Luke, but he clearly didn't buy in. But what, buy into what? But when you walk in the locker room and you see guys that's not playing, disrespecting the coach, when you see guys that's, that's not even dressing out, disrespecting the coach, talking you about know, Beasley. Did, Beasley. Not even just Beasley, just period. The team, the guy, it's been more than him that they got into it with Luke. Guys that shouldn't even say nothing to the coach. They feel like they have the confidence to say, that's when all respect is gone. And you don't have to be the person to argue with him to know that. You can see how everybody else is treating him. The, the most respectful thing LeBron did for Luke was show up. Number one. <laughs> and number two, when Magic was sitting in his house, because I can guarantee you this was discussed. Yeah. Do you want us to change coaches? Yeah, he could have recommended no. Mm -hmm. He could have immediately, no, man, you need to get rid of the coach. LeBron gave him a chance. Gave him a year. LeBron 100% could have said, Jeannie Buss would not in that room, Jeannie Buss is Luke's godmother in this regard, where she's the one that hired Luke and likes Luke. Mm -hmm. But if it were to get LeBron, he had said, here's what we need. You got to get rid of that head coach. And then there's other coaches available. We know he's got it. I don't think Mark Jackson was a great NBA coach, but we know he was available, would love the job. There are different people who were available. Fire Luke, bring that guy in. He gave him, a, he gave him the ability to prove himself. And I listen, I've had this argument with a lot of people, which is your point, which is why would, doesn't he owe Luke Walton the buy-in? LeBron James's loyalty is due to the organization. The best thing for the Lakers moving forward. And LeBron James blindly buying into a coach who I guarantee you will not be an NBA head coach next mm-hmm. year. Like the idea that, oh, well, he's getting screwed. This guy, if Spo got fired, somebody else would have hired him. The, the, the guy, David Black got fired. He'll never coach in this league again. Luke Walton might, Luke Walton might one day be a head coach in the NBA again. There's going to be a half dozen teams that have the ability to hire Luke Walton next year. Nick, Nary a one of them's going to. Nick, man, you pointed out to me, too, and a lot of people, when LeBron, he went to Miami, and then he came back to Cleveland, people were like, man, he had to come back home. But LeBron talked about his experience in Miami, and he admitted it was going to college. Yes. And that's where he learned. And he might have had something against Sproles, how he was taught, whatever the system was, but he got his college degree when he left there. And LeBron has tremendous respect for the game of basketball and the history of basketball. Last week, he was talking about 
Man, his AAU, I mean, his um, his first, like, AAU coach. And how he taught him. school coach. His grade yes. school coach. How he made him roll the ball to some players who couldn't get their shot off and everything. So that's one thing I can say. LeBron is going to always, and the greats always take more criticism than they deserve. But then it's up to us who have that type of platform to be able to shield some of that and be like, some of this is just made up. And we, and we can't fault Luke for having to. Hall of Fame dad. No. That's because that's a lot of reason why he getting a lot of opportunities. That's a lot of reason why even Austin Rivers, nobody wanted to sign him. Doc Rivers signed him. I pray to God that my kids get a job just off my name. You can't be mad at him for that. Real quick, just real quick before you go, how would LeBron respond to Greg Popovich? With respect. The, the same way the D-Wade hugged him when uh, Pop gave him New Jersey, that, that mm. respect there is mutual because, like you said, you know what the coach is going to bring and you know he's giving this all and he has the resume to stand behind it. Steven, we'd love to have you here this week. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you. I'm going to miss you. We love when you're here. Thank you for listening to the Hoops on Fox podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a five-star review letting us know what you think of the show.